Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley's behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. It's how you have board on this Tuesday night. We'll get back to the Eagles stuff. And my assertion, my belief that this city needs to apologize to Jonathan Gannon for really not believing in this guy and saying he was a bad defensive coordinator, wanted him out of here, get out of town. This guy's done a heck of a job led by that performance against the Giants in the division round. We'll get back to that and all the Baseball Hall of Fame stuff. Scott rolling in. It sounds like the Phillies will honor him with a day at Citizens Bank Park coming up uh, next summer, which is awesome. I think they should. He was uh, he was drafted here, developed here, became a star player here. Obviously, his best years ended up at St. Louis after a trade. But Scott rolling in the Hall of Fame. Jimmy Rollins gets a little over 12%. How about Jason Worth getting a big, big old zero on the vote, which, I mean, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but a zero? I would like to fill the the niche of being the Hall of Fame voter who votes for the guys who won't get in. Yeah, I, like just throw them a bone. Like Jared Weaver got a vote, but Jason Worth didn't. It's weird how they pick and choose who gets the one vote. But yeah, no votes for uh, for for Jason Worth. Or we'll get back to all that. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. First though, to the guest line, Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus, joining us to talk about Championship Weekend and the Eagles and the Niners. Brad, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How you guys doing? Brad, we're doing well. Excited for this game on Sunday. And it does feel, Brad, like these two teams are kind of going to meet their match in this game. And you, you go through it. The Niners really did not face much of a schedule this season. I mean, they really didn't face many great offenses. You know, Mahomes beat them in October. But they've reeled off all these wins. They deserve credit. But I, I could kind of make the same case for the Eagles. It feels like we, we need this game to determine how good these two teams are because they've both... I think, for the most part, beaten up on decent but not great schedules. It's funny you mention that. At PFF, for our strength of schedule ratings, we have the Eagles with the second easiest schedule and Niners with the easiest schedule. So, you know, quite literally at the extremes there. And as you said, though, it's not like they were skating by with one-score wins. They were blowing bad teams out. So, so you, you can't hold that against them too much. I think they both deserve to be in this game this weekend. Brad, when you look at the the matchups here, if you had to pick one out that excites you the most, whether it's a corner on a receiver, of you know, offensive line versus defense line, because there's so many great ones. It feels like, you know, we could list seven, eight, nine matchups that that these coaches are probably like just in the office right now trying to figure out like how do I win this one? Which one just has your interest as we get towards Sunday? There really are so many awesome matchups to look forward to. Uh, you know, I think the trenches is a fun spot because both teams are really elite on both sides, but for me I'm excited for A.J. Brown to go up against Charvarius Ward, and I think it's a matchup that goes strongly in Philadelphia's favor. Ward's a good player, got a nice you know, contract this past offseason from San Francisco, but where he's had issues is his bigger-bodied physical receivers 
on the outside that can, you know, get him in their hip pocket and, and kind of, you know, get downfield. We saw it with DK Metcalf in Seattle. He beat him down the field multiple times. We saw it with CD Lamb this past week against Dallas. When he was lined up on the outside, he was able to take advantage of Charvarius Ward and even Michael Gallup on, the, on that bad throw from Dak Prescott. But, you know, Ward was the guy he had beaten before that throw. So I think that is a key matchup for Philadelphia. And A.J. Brown, if he can get fully healthy, um, could exploit that to a good degree. Brad, it might feel weird me asking this, and, and this town loves the run game, but and I know the Eagles just ran for 268. But do you think, as we look forward to this game, is it worth it for the Eagles to try to run the ball a lot? I, I keep wondering this, and I think back, I, I think there's some similarities between this Niners defense and the 2017 Vikings. They were the number one third down defense ever. They were really good against the run. And I think back to that game plan the Eagles had that night when they won the NFC title. They threw it a lot down the field. Nick Foles to Alshon Jeffrey, Nick Foles to, to Torrey Smith. And, and I'm wondering this weekend, do you think it's worth it for the Eagles to kind of pound their head against a brick wall and try to run it? Or, or do you think maybe let Jalen Hurts try to throw the ball down the field to A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith? I really do think that is the, is the correct way to go about this. Is of course, you want to balance offense. You want to you know keep them guessing and not be too predictable. But the way they win this game, in my opinion, is by downfield passing outside the numbers and just beating them at the, you know, their one weakness, if you wanted to pick one out, on this Niners defense is their outside cornerbacks. And, you know, their strength is probably against the run, um, you know, second-best run defense and EPA per play, so a context-adjusted metric there. And then also they allowed the fewest explosive rushes in the NFL. So not just good on a down-to-down basis, but only 16 rushes of 10 or more yards the entire season, so less than one per game. Um, it's, it's the least in the NFL by a significant margin. Um, and so I do. I think Philadelphia, you know, with Jalen Hurts that has a different element, they're, they're, uh, the Niners weren't as good defending scrambles and quarterback design runs, um, but in terms of handing the ball off to a running back, you know, good luck running against this defense. So, Brad, let's go to the Hurts factor. Last year, when these two teams played, and it was, you know, it was early in it was this week two. It was early in Hurts' time as a starter. He was a different player then, and obviously the Niners are better now than they were last year. I think on defense, but. He did run for 80 yards against them last year. And then you look at some mobile quarterbacks over the past couple of years. You mentioned some of the stats Mariota this year ran on them. I, I just keep wondering, you know, D, turnovers have been a big part of how the Niners do things. And Jalen Hurts usually pretty good at not turning it over. I wonder if there's a couple plays or more, more than that where it's either a tight window throw over the middle or he takes off and tries to get five or six and convert the first down. How big of a part do you think Hurts' legs could be? More, I'm, I'm thinking scrambles for positive yardage rather than just, you know, kind of the run game element with him in the RPO. I, I think where that will be a huge factor is on third downs. You mentioned that Marcus Mariota Atlanta Falcons game earlier this year. They converted nine of 12 third downs of three yards or less, and it was a lot of, you know, read option, zone read with Marcus Mariota, and a lot of times keepers, or like you said, really just dropping back, not seeing anything, and scrambling, or maybe it's a pseudo-scramble with a draw element where the quarterback knows they can draw it and just take it themselves up the middle if nothing develops. And so I think that is going to be a huge part of their short yardage game plan, in particular on third downs, which Hurts looked good doing last week, and I think will matter potentially a lot in this game. Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus, joining us here as we talk Eagles, Niners, and the NFC title game coming up on Sunday. Brad, the other side of the football, I mean, it, we, I, we've been doing this for seven, eight, nine weeks. When is the Brad, bad Brock Purdy game going to happen? It hasn't happened yet. What have you noticed over the last couple weeks? It feels like he's starting to leak some oil, though. Early in that game against the Seahawks, they had a chance to pick a couple. They didn't. And then I just thought he was just okay. You know, he, he got by against Dallas. Do you see some, some signs here that he's about to be exploited? 
You know, the underlying metric of our turnover-worthy plays, which, you know, we track at PFF and essentially just, you know, did the quarterback put the ball in a dangerous position? He had a couple in that game against Seattle, and then you mentioned last week, I mean, Trevon Diggs dropped a pretty clear interception right by the goal line. Could have been kind of a game-turning play there. So he's gotten away with it so far, but they they, they are eventually that that luck turns. You know, we, we see that year after year. I do think maybe this very fortuitous Eagles defense with, you know, Bradbury and Chauncey Gunner-Johnson, all these guys have a bunch of interceptions. Maybe this is the week he finally turns the ball over uh, because he's had some close calls, no question. Brad, when you look at this Niners offense, what what do you think is how they're going to attack the Eagles? Like when you look at, we know the Eagles are really good at corner. Niners have good receivers. Uh, when you look at it, do you think they're going to come in here and try to run the ball? I mean, that teams have done that to the Eagles, or is this going to be a George Kittle kind of game? Like if you're in, if you're kind of projecting how Shanahan might might look at the Eagles and say that's where I'm going to go get them on Sunday, what's your guess there? I think you just touched on the two keys for me. So obviously, you know, you and I have probably talked about the Eagles' run defense on this show many times. Um, you know, it is it is the weakness of this defense, and I think you will see, you know, Debo Samuel carries, Christian McCaffrey carries, Elijah Mitchell will get involved, um, and then also over the middle. Now, I mean, TJ Edwards and Kaiser White are both solid coverage linebackers, you know, maybe not elite coverage linebackers, and I think they will try to attack over the middle and up the seams with George Kittle and also with the receivers, too. You know, Slay and Bradbury are phenomenal players having good seasons, but I don't love the matchup of, you know, short yardage guys that can get the ball and then make guys miss. I, I think Slay and Bradbury are kind of better against those big-bodied, you know, outside wide receivers. Those are great matchups for them. The shifty smaller guys that can catch the ball in front of them and maybe make them miss in space, I, I think it's not a terrible matchup. Um, but, yeah, I think a lot of it's going to be underneath, short passes, and then just hope you can make Eagles defenders miss tackles in space. Brad, I mean, obviously, a key to this, it's a key to every Eagles game, is their pass rush. I mean, 70 sacks in the regular season, five more last week, up to 75 now this season. When you look at that matchup, um, what do you think about the Niners' offensive line against the Eagles' defensive line? It just feels like the last month and a half, nobody can block these guys. Yeah, they really can. And, and well, Trent Williams on the, on the left side is probably the one guy you can. You know, might be the best left tackle in the NFL uh, and one of the best left tackles ever, but the weak spot where I think Philadelphia is going to have a lot of success, in particular a guy like Hassan Reddick, is against right tackle Mike McGlinchey, the former top 10 pick. He's a solid player, but is a leaky pass protector. And his issue is he's six foot eight and plays tall, right? He doesn't, you know, at times his snaps, he lacks bend. And if Reddick can use a speed outside move and use his bend to get around the edge, you can see him dip and almost turn style Mike McGlinchey to where he doesn't get hands on him at all. I think that is the key pass rush matchup in this game for the Eagles. So, Brad, when you think about this game, I and mean, when we talked about how the Eagles could, could make make some plays, shot plays against the Niners, you talked about how the matchup might favor the Niners receivers against the Eagles' corners. Are you thinking this game might be a little bit higher scoring than people think? I always wonder when there's two great you know, or really good defenses, I think the perception is low scoring, but we also have really good offensive coaches and playmakers. What's your guess on how this one plays out? Yeah, I actually do think it's going to be a high-scoring game. They're the, they're the first, or sorry, second and third best offenses in EPA per play, and the Niners are actually first since Brock Purdy took over. Um, and then also, you know, yes, both have ferocious pass rush units, but both teams also have great offensive lines. So as long as they can hold up long enough to let their quarterbacks see the play develop, see some routes come open, I do. I think the Eagles can win with some downfield shots on the outside and maybe you get some explosive plays like we saw, you know, right out of the gate with Deontay Smith in the 40-yard catch against the Giants. A.J. Brown moved before against the Giants in Week 18, had the big bomb. 
you know, open that game. So I think they're going to try to do that early and try to get a lead and try to push the ball downfield. And then, yeah, for the Niners, like I mentioned, of course the Eagles have a good defense, but I just think they have so many weapons right now and that if they can get them with some room to operate, they're going to make some guys miss and get some of those long you know, yards after the catch completions. I do. I, I think I'm in the minority here, but I, I like the over in this game. You know, if I was looking at the total, about 46, whatever it is right now. Brad, we'll end with this, um, and, and I'll, I'll use a caveat here. Let, let's assume three weeks from now Patrick Mahomes is, is back to close to full health, so that, that's not really a factor here. If you were the Eagles and you could choose who you'd want to play in the Super Bowl, assuming the Eagles get there, would you rather face the Chiefs or the Bengals? That's a great question. I, I would still go, if, if we're assuming Mahomes is healthy, I would go, I'd rather play the Bengals. Look, they, they obviously just overcame, you know, all these injuries, you know, against the Buffalo Bills, but I, I reminded myself of a couple years ago when the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl against the Buccaneers, and they were able to overcome their offensive line injuries. They were down both starting tackles and were missing a guard and, 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 and through most of the playoffs, and they just kept winning, and I kind of, we all just told ourselves, like, Okay, Patrick Mahomes is just so good that it doesn't matter, I guess. But I think the Bengals, look, they played well. They were more physical. They beat up the Bills in a lot of ways. But I think playing in the snow helped them. And I think the Bills without Von Miller is just not a good pass rush unit. I mean, for us, they were 27th in pressure rate um, without blitzing once they lost Von Miller. They were fourth in pressure rate with Von Miller without blitzing. So I think you still want that matchup against the Bengals. Because this Eagles defensive line that we just talked about against a you know a banged up and shaky Bengals O line, I know they've gotten away with it a lot of games going back the last two years, but I think eventually it will catch up to them, and you hope that's in the Super Bowl against Philadelphia. Brad, always appreciate hopping on. Brad Spielberg of Pro Football Focus. Thank you, Brad. Yes, thank you. There he goes, Brad, uh, who does great work over there. So he, his choice would be the Chiefs, uh, the Bengals over the Chiefs to play if we're assuming Mahomes is, is, is back to healthy in three weeks. I don't feel exactly the same way. I think I'd rather play the Chiefs. We'll talk about that uh, later on this week. But one thing that he mentioned there, and so I, I don't know if this has happened much this year. I mean, I think usually we kind of know we're going with Boston Scott against the Giants, but I, I got to say I'm excited about Friday night, our football Friday show, because we always do our same game parlay over at FanDuel. Because this is probably the one Tucker and I have d- done the most early thoughts on. I mean, this whole thing is setting up for an A.J. Brown game. So we got the fact that he was upset and asked Howard earlier what it was. And who knows? Was he banged up? Was he frustrated? Was he getting the ball? I don't know. But A.J. Brown, not thrilled about things during the game on on Saturday. I think the Eagles tend to try to fix those moments when they happen. And I think they'll be back on the same page as, as you know Brown on sun, on this coming Sunday. Then you go to the matchup itself. The Niners, for as great as their defense is, they can be beat down the field. DK Metcalf did it in the first game. CeeDee Lamb did it in the last game. Like, number one wide receivers down the field can make plays against this defense. And you think about the Niners, they suffocate the middle of the field. So, if you, like, you think about how the Eagles have transformed their offense. Yes, they throw over the middle now more than they, they did a year ago. But that's not really how to attack the Niners. Outside the numbers, down the field... And think about how Jalen Hurts has become a, a really effective thrower making those deep shot plays down the field. Think about the Bears game where they throw like six of them and he hit a couple of them deep down the field. I'm, I think this is setting up for A.J. Brown. And then I went back and looked. A.J. Brown, the last time he played the Niners was late last season when he was in the Titans. They get like 16 targets, 11 catches, 100-something yards. Tucker, I know we have, we have some time before our same game parlay later this week for the Eagles and the Niners, but... 
I'm feeling an A.J. Brown night. Yeah, and the one thing Nick Sirianni, I think, has done really well this season is he's really good at stroking his players' egos, and he's really good at making sure everyone is kind of involved. Although, have you noticed Quest Watkins hasn't been a part of the offense the last couple of weeks? Well, uh, Pascal actually played more this past game because I think they knew they were going to run it and needed the blocking. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't I don't know what his snap count is. I don't have it in front of me, but I know he wasn't targeted in the past game. I know Pascal outplayed him or, or played more snaps, but you look at what A.J. Brown's done. I mean, he has... Only a few games this year where he's really struggled. He had three catches for 32 yards against Arizona in Week 5. Bounced back at eight targets, five catches, 67 yards, and a touchdown the next week. He only had one catch for seven yards and then lost to, to Washington. Bounced back at seven targets, five catches, 60 yards against Indianapolis. Only had four for 48 uh, against Green Bay. And then he had his biggest game of the year, a little revenge game, eight for 119 and two touchdowns the following week against Tennessee. I could see it kind of going the same way. I mean, you look at what he did leading into that Giants game, 70 yards, 181 yards, 103, 97, 95. I think he's going to be a big part of this offense. I think Nick Sirianni understands what to do. I think he understands the the heat of the moment, and I would be shocked. You know that deep ball they threw to Devontae Smith in the first drive? Yep. I would be shocked if there isn't a play similar like that drawn up for A.J. Brown. Yeah, and I just think about the way this game might flow on, on Sunday, and I think the number one thing for the Eagles have to avoid turnovers. I mean, the Niners have had the number one um, field of position in the NFL since Purdy took over. They give him short fields because other teams turn the ball over. So, uh, you know, obviously they got to protect the football. But I always think deep passes, and I'm not talking about like 15 or 20 yards. I'm talking about 40 or 50-yard bombs. Aren't they the safest form of taking a chance? Like, what is the worst that happens there? Like, let's say let's say they're on their own 40-yard line, and Jalen Hurts lines up, and he sees one-on-one on the outside with Brown against Ward. And and he kind of gives them the look, and they, they both know it's it's a it's a go pattern, right? It's, it's down the field, 40, 45 yards. I will throw it up. You go make a play. What's the worst that happens on that play? The Niners intercepted on, the 20, on their own 20-yard line? Like, to me, those are not the kind of plays that cost you the game. You know what costs you the game? You try to fit a tight window throw over the middle on your own 35-yard line, and they pick it off, and Brock Purdy has to go you know, 35 yards for a touchdown. Or he only has to go 10 yards, and it's an easy field goal, and it's points for the Niners. Like Those are the plays I worry about. Deep down the field, I almost think there's almost no way it goes bad unless it's picked. But even that, it's not going to destroy the game. You know, it's going to go incomplete most likely. It's going to be caught. It could be pass interference on the defense. You get an easy first down. That's their weakness. You know, I, I know because of the way they played on Saturday, I think there's going to be a lot of people with an expectation they're going to run the ball against the Niners. You know, you go back, and I think there's a lot of similarities, a lot, between the Niners and that 2017 Vikings team. Down to the quarterback thing, right? It was Case Keenum then, it's Brock Purdy now. Some of the numbers. That, that Vikings team was amazing against the run. I don't have the box score in front of me. But, Tucker, I, I would guess if you go back to the the NFC title game against the Vikings. Now, obviously, they had a lead at the end, so they probably ran a bunch at the end. I would imagine the first half of the game, the Eagles were passing the ball a lot. I mean, I just I remember it. They were throwing. Yeah, and, you know, they, they had a few deep bombs. And yep. if you go back to that game, it was Nick Foles' arm that, that kind of, you know, thrust them into the spotlight. And if you look at their first half stats, as I stall here... Well, I mean, I, my memory tells me they threw the ball a lot in the first half of the first game. First half, Nick Foles was 15-22 for 208 yards and a touchdown. That's a lot of passes for the first half. 
and and when I remember, if I remember correctly, the Vikings were a great run defense, and the Eagles. I, I know everyone wants them to run the ball and, and run like you got to do what you got to beat each team with what their weakness is. And the Niners' weakness is you could throw the ball deep down the field on the outside against them. Yeah, I mean by the end they had thirty three passes to thirty runs, but that was because they were up. They're up twenty what twenty four seven at halftime. I mean, the game basically was over. Yeah, I mean we talked about it a little bit last week. The one thing that team did really well was kind of win both sides of the half. Yep. And what they did there, they had that uh, Jeffrey touchdown. They forced a fumble, had a, a field goal at the end of the first half, and then a Torrey Smith touchdown on the other side of the second half. It went like a seventeen zero run. It was fourteen to seven with less than a minute to go in the first half. It was 31-7 to by the time the Vikings had a chance to breathe. Yeah, and how about and here are the chunk plays. How about this? I'm looking at the longest reception for each of the top receivers. Ertz, 36-yard reception. Jeffrey, 53. Torrey Smith, 41. Aguilar, 42. Like, they made chunk plays in the passing game, even against a defense that I remember the whole story that week was like they were the best third-down defense ever. And the Eagles, when, how about this? Don't get into third downs. First down, throw the ball deep. I, I think... As much as last week was a different kind of game plan, it was running the ball, it was short passing other than the Devontae play, it was efficiency. This week feels different. Like The best way to attack the Niners, if you're going to line up and try to run the ball on them because we have a big, bad offensive line, I think it's going to create a lot of third and fours, third and fives, where you get four or five yards in the first two runs combined, and then you're, you're trying to, to make a first down somehow, some way. Like there, there is a world where the Eagles could create real, real chunk plays against the Niners. And I, I trust Jalen Hurts that throw it down the field, probably won't be a pick. And the connection between Hurts and A.J. Brown, Hurts and Devontae Smith, it's been good all year. I mean, and I, I think that, like when you think about the Eagles the last couple of years, how they built this thing, their biggest investments really the last two years have been A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith first-round pick last year, and they traded a first-round pick and a third-round pick this year. I I don't mind putting the game on Jalen, throw to Devontae and AJ. I feel like that's I, – I, I could live with that if they lose that way. Yeah, I think the 49ers probably have the best linebacking core in the NFL with, with Trey Greenlaw, with uh, Fred Warner. I mean, did you see Fred Warner covering? Amazing. Seeding Lamb, like 30 yards down the field. He turned – he broke, he, he flipped his hips, and he ran with them like as if he was a, a corner. Yeah, I mean, this is a game, and we talked about last week how Dallas Goddard would figure big against the Giants because they don't really have any linebackers, and their safeties are a little undersized, uh, like Xavier McKinney, right. and he had a big game. I think this is a game where you kind of focus on the wide receivers. You try to use your speed. You try to beat them over the top because I think they are susceptible to big plays. Yeah, and I'm, I also wouldn't be surprised if, if they use Goddard as a blocker sometimes, too, to help with the pass rush, help with what D'Amico Ryans is bringing, give Hurts an extra half second to take that deep shot down the field. I, I think that's the way they'll go. 215-592-9494. That's how you hop in. We'll come back. Your phone calls. we got to play for you. I thought this was interesting. Rick Spielman, former NFL GM with the Vikings, he talked about his first meeting with Jalen Hurts, his interview with Jalen Hurts at the Combine. He was blown away by me. You'll hear that next. And... Projected spreads for all four potential Super Bowls. Are the Eagles the favorite? Are they underdogs? I thought this was really interesting. We'll hit it next on Sports Radio 94 WIP. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.